Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash paulwheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash paulwheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right, the numbers are going. <clears throat> this is Paul Radio. <laughs> so, all right, I'm, I'm here with Jennifer. We have been working for two and a half weeks around the clock um, to try and, and, and our mission was to do three months of work in three weeks. And I think we're pulling it off. Um, we want, we're going to, we got an idea. Somebody presented an idea for a Kickstarter and it was unlike the Kickstarters I've done in the past. And, and it's like, well, if we really hurried and we really worked hard, we could actually do the thing this year. So, um, uh, as and I think we're on track. We're, we're I think at the time of this recording, we're five days away. I think by the time people get this, it might be like the day before the Kickstarter starts. We're starting it Tuesday at two, uh, June twenty third. Correct. Um, and so uh, uh, yeah, coming really soon. And we've got a but we've got mountains of stuff to still do. But the 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 Kickstarter has been put together on Kickstarter, and we submitted it. It has been approved, and uh, now we just got a bunch of details to finish up with before we hit the official go button. Um, we're still updating that page with little bits of this and that and the other thing. Um, uh, there's going to be an early bird thing again this year. Uh, it looks great and magnificent, uh, including uh, there's going to be... Um, Sepp Holzer's movie, Farming with Nature, the whole movie for early bird people, um, um, amongst a bunch of other things. All right. Uh, I think, um, I, I, I think it's shaping up to be a great Kickstarter. I'm, I'm super excited about our format because if this does well, I think I want to do this a lot. Yeah. I mean, but if it does well, I mean, if it flops, <laughs> back to the drawing board. <laughs> And so, um, okay. Part of this is, is that for the, for the three people that have actually read my book about doing Kickstarters <laughs> and are listening to this podcast, then, uh, um, one of the things that I suggested doing was to make a media kit. We made a media kit for the last one. I'm not sure it ever got used by anybody, but I think for us, part of it was, you know, if, if you make the media kit and then some media picks it up and runs with it, they've got the thing that they expect to run with. Whereas if you don't have the media kit, then they're like, well, we've decided to not do that because that's like hard. <laughs> so a major component of the media kit is um, uh, questions and answers. So, like, if you were to be interviewed on a radio show, then it's like, here's the questions that they might ask. Although I gotta say, recently I have been on a lot of radio shows, and, um, I, I can't tell, I, I cannot express how pleased I am, uh, when the person doing the interview has actually read my book. <laughs> 
and and they want to talk about it. <laughs> and it's like all their questions, they came up, they have their own questions, you know. And it's like that's that's cool. But a lot of them, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm not reading this. <laughs> so what do I say? What do I what am I gonna? What, you know, what do I do? What do I do for my end of this to get paid today? <laughs> and so then then they just reach out to this thing and they just or if they're gonna write something or whatever. The information is is handy in there. So uh, earlier today, we kind of, uh, I mean, you already, you made some questions. Actually, I think Nicole made the questions, and then you refined the questions, and then we all, no. It was pretty much only me, and I know you hated the questions, so. They stunk. <laughs> Whatever, Paul. We've got new questions now. Josiah said they were lovely, and that the problem was with me, not with the questions. True, very true. <laughs> and yet, what did we do? We changed the questions. <laughs> and and what is your analysis of the new questions versus the old questions? I liked my questions better. Are you in, in, the, in any way, shape, or form? And oh, you wait. You you said the opposite of what I was expecting. You thought that the old questions were better. Yeah, that's why I wrote them. I thought the old questions were confusing. Like I don't even know how to answer that. Well, that sounds like a you problem. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. We we have a, a new bunch of questions <clears throat> that I I think I am I am prepared to answer. I mean I think it's great to write a question for which no one can answer, and it's like that's gonna be a great. That, he's gonna be stumped on that one. <laughs> well, I asked questions that I was actually interested in hearing the answers to, but these are more like questions that will promote the Kickstarter. So now we've got questions that you like. Okay. All right. All right. So so here's what we're gonna do. We 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 wrote these new questions, and then we're going to try and answer them and be as rambly and whatever as we want, and and then uh, uh, we'll listen to that recorded stuff, and, and somebody will try to massage it into a proper answer. That'll probably be me, too. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. So, Maybe we'll throw Nicole under the bus on that one. <laughs> Poor Nicole. <laughs> okay, um, this is, so this whole Kickstarter came about because one in fact the very first mention of it because a lot of people were asking about it and then i was in a pet meeting and we were talking about like it being potentially the next kickstarter to make this skip book skills to inherit property and um we have been working every week on these long meetings about minutia details in fact for the last two and a half weeks i think we've been focused only on the community badge and like you know details about that and it's like wow putting together a curriculum is hard (laughs) (laughs) but most of the pep stuff is already defined like all of the sand badges have been defined for like a year now and so we've been working on all of the uh straw wood and iron badges for the last year and uh we've we've made a lot of progress there's not too much left but uh, it was clear that it was going to take months more to, to work on this. And so uh, then Mike threw out an idea. He said, you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see you build that Wafati greenhouse and and do that as a Kickstarter. And uh, and then Ashley was on the call. She says, oh, oh, me too, me too. <laughs> and so 
uh, kind of floated the idea out there uh, to some of the, the people that are regulars on Permies, and then there was a lot of positive response, so we floated it out to the people on the Daily-ish email, and a lot of positive response. So then we started to, to, to think, wow, what if we really did this? And and next thing you know, and here we are. Whoo! <laughs> we just uh, take a couple deep breaths here for as far as we've come. All right. <clears throat> um, so the focus is on truly passive greenhouse. But for the design, when we, we we put the thing together for the PDJ, and and when we put it together for the PDJ. The, the, the way it kind of got there was, is we started talking about, you know, it'd be great is to make a gray water system for Allerton Abbey. And then my response is the same response I've done, I don't know, 200 times, which is that in a cold climate, your gray water system is going to do diddly squat in the wintertime because all your plants are going to be dormant. And then you're kind of like doing something worse than a drain field. And, um, I know that, like, even in Seattle, uh, gray water systems in Seattle, uh, they have a big lever, so that way all of the uh, gray water material gets routed to the sewage treatment plant in the wintertime. And then so you have to have the human discipline to go and flip this lever, you know, at the right times of year. And it's like, man, that's unfortunate. Um, then came the idea of, like, well, if we had, like, a little teeny tiny greenhouse... And then we could route, we could have all the, the gray water plants in there. And then that would work through the winter. And it's like, then, then of course comes the next question. So this, this thing blows up fast. And that is that, yeah, but it would need heat. And where Allerton Abbey is, there's, you know, no power at all. I mean, we've got like, a little bit of solar power, but in the winter time, that solar power turns to about zero. Like there's a, there's stuff that needs to be resolved in that. Basically, there's an an older inverter in there, and um, <clears throat> in the winter time, you get enough power to for the inverter to power nothing, and then you run out of power. <laughs> And and so it's kind of like uh, yeah, there, there's some improvements that yeah, and I'm sure the the pod people right now are thinking like, well, what you ought to do is refrabulate the refrabulator oh, and yeah. run it through a conjunctivator, and then it'll be like not a problem anymore. Well, yeah, we've we've only had like 15 discussions about how to improve this so it doesn't do that anymore, and yet here we are, no one's done a damn thing because we're all working on all these different projects. So as part of the abyss, and um. All right, so then we got the idea of like, well, what if we did Mike Ayler's greenhouse? Only we added in all these other ideas, which we talked about in the PDJ, and we're going to talk about it again in a moment here. But we came up with a list of ideas where we thought, you know what? I think that this, not only am I really confident that this really would be uh, something that would never freeze on the inside, even if we did nothing at all, if we ignored it completely, that for five years, nobody went inside and it just sat there and did its thing, I think it would never freeze inside. Um, I feel, in fact, not only do I think it, I, I'd be willing to bet money on it, kind of a thing. Like, I'm so certain of it. Like, then it becomes an office pool, like, what's the lowest temperature it's going to get in five years, which I think would be in the first winter. Whatever is going to be the low in there, it's going to happen in the first winter. Good. And I think, I think that, 
like based on this design, I'm gonna I'm gonna say like if there's an office pool, I want to put my first dollar. I'm gonna put it down. I'm gonna say 41 degrees in the first winter is the lowest we'll see. I was gonna say 40, so we're thinking okay. right along okay. the same lines. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, and we could be shocked. Maybe it'll be 60. That would be nice. Yeah. So, um, all right. <clears throat> this is a truly. So this would be a truly passive greenhouse, which um, I I have never seen one before. I I don't know of any other. There's a lot of stuff that calls itself passive, and it's like. There's a question about that, Paul. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So I'm not going to say anything now about that. Um, all right. I'm looking at it. So I think I think I'm ready for your first question. All right. So the first question in our media kit is: What will people get if they support your Kickstarter, Paul? I think that we've got two primary. Um, rewards. So Kickstarter is about the rewards, and a Kickstarter is going to be about like, what do you get when you support a Kickstarter? Um, and so I think the primary reward is we're making a movie. We're going to do this thing. We're going to video all of it, and then the the end artifact is a movie about the design, the build, and then the testing. How did it do? So that's for 10 bucks, you get the movie. Um, the other primary artifact is at the $100 level. And I'm, I'm trying to be good about setting up a $100 level for each of my Kickstarters. That's like the sweet spot. And so at the $100 level is a, a bunch of other stuff. Like you can get the, uh, HD download version and you get, um, uh, you get a live interactive, you get to interact during the design sessions. Like we're going to have a zoom call and you'll be in on the zoom call, um, during the design session. Um, and then, uh, during the build, you'll be able to be live and interactive, uh, every Friday at three during the build. Um, and then there will be also each week during the build, there'll be two informal um, uh, Zoom sessions. So, like during the formal one, we'll probably have. So Josiah will be leading the build with Fred, um, <clears throat> but I think it's going to be primarily Josiah. Um, and uh, so we'll get like the primary players to sit in front of the laptop, uh, and we and as part of the Kickstarter, we got to get a contraption that makes it so we can do. We, I mean, we don't have internet up at the lab. Yeah. So, uh, but we found a way to do it, and it's like, all right, so we'll we'll pay for that, and then we can do a live interactive thing on Fridays. So it's going to be like the primary builder people on Friday, and then on Mondays and Wednesdays at three will be somebody uh, there. And it'll be more, it'll be informal. It'll be like, you know, a cell phone or something. What do you want to see? Right, right. Here's what we did since the last time. You know, like that. Yeah. Oh, look, a chipmunk. I kind of, I kind of, I don't know why I feel a little bit like it's a Muppet doing it. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. I'm not sure who will be doing it. We'll, we'll figure it out. Probably me, Paul. Will it be you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. For some reason, I was thinking Clayton, because when I first thought of the idea, Clayton was standing right there and asking, like... I think Clayton would be great at it. Yeah, I think Clayton would be good. All right. 
Um, how many people do we have in the boot camp right now? Is it like eight or nine? Uh, something like that. Fred, Josiah, me, Oren, Scott, Clayton, John. Am I missing anybody? That's seven. Okay, that's seven. Yeah. Okay. All right. <clears throat> I don't. I don't think so. I think that's everybody. All right. Um, what you asked, what do you get? And then, of course, we've got a lot of stuff at the one dollar level, a lot of stuff at the five dollar level, and I think I, I don't know. I, I think that as with the past couple of Kickstarters, the rewards are very heavy. Yeah, we spent a lot of time trying to make them super sweet. Yeah, irresistible. <laughs> All right, what's the next... Did I answer that question? I think so. Okay, Two right. primary rewards, the movie, and then a bunch of stuff at the $100 level. And we've what, got, yeah. I mean, we've got like a $25 reward level and a $50 reward level, which includes the plans. Right, yeah. yeah. I think the $50 level is kind of cool. It's the build level, so you get like the plans to build it yourself and some stuff like that. But yeah, our primary reward levels are at $10 and $100. Those are like the ones we're trying to make super sweet. Um, all right. So question number two, why are you offering so much stuff for people who are only supporting your Kickstarter at the $1 level? So I think I wrote about this a little bit in the Kickstarter book, but it was like during the world domination gardening Kickstarter, I kind of realized, or I don't know, there was something about the thought process of doing a Kickstarter that really kicked me in the teeth. And that was that, I was offering stuff at a price that seemed about like what other Kickstarters did. And then later I was selling the same thing and I tried to sell it for the first year at a price that was higher. Um, and then it's like after the first year I could drop the price lower. But, but then I got to thinking like the cool thing about somebody supporting your Kickstarter is that they're saying like, I, I know I'm not going to see this thing for like four months or six months or something, but I have confidence in you. I want to support you. I want to support this project. I don't know. This this kind of trust, this kind of awesome support is so cool. And I'm thinking like, then there's other people that are kind of like, oh, Paul's going to make a thing. I'll wait. And I'll see what the reviews are before deciding to buy it. And, and so I kind of thought, you know what? The person who supports my Kickstarter, I like them a hundred times more than the person who waits. And so how do I express my gratitude to those people? And I, I kind of feel like um, candy is a great way of doing it. So all of the stuff at the one... So if somebody supports my Kickstarter, even for a dollar... And that's another thing, too, is like a lot of these Kickstarters, they have somebody... They say they have like the one dollar level, and it's like the the thing you get is good vibes in your general direction or something like that. And it's like... Which means they're going to do nothing. And... Uh, I don't think that they'll even look at your name, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like, let me just, let me just bask in the glow of your name for a moment. And it's like, okay, that passed. Now I'm on to the next name. You know, I don't think they even do that. Yeah. If they actually sat there and tried to send me personally good vibes, like <laughs> I would be really surprised. Yeah. I would be really impressed, actually. <laughs> what they're probably doing is, look, there's 300 people that supported us for a dollar. Cool. <laughs> Suckers. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid, dumb fucks. What? the hell are they thinking? So, 
I kind of feel like for the last couple of so after the world domination gardening Kickstarter, I've been thinking like I want to put I, I want to reward the people that put in for a dollar. I'm just glad that they're supporting me. I want to express how happy I am. And so the other thing is, is that for a movie, <clears throat> a lot of Kickstarters are doing it for 25 bucks, maybe 20. So we're offering the full movie for 10 bucks. Oh, and at the $5 level, we have like several full movies. Yeah, there. not not this movie, um, but goodies, movies by by you, by other people. Um, well, it can't be by anybody but me. Right, it has okay. to be by because so a, a reward has to be by me. Okay, I take it back. Or by us. All movies by Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think it's got my ebook in there. As as one of the rewards, okay. And um, I think the, the uh, I think that the Pawns movie is in there, and then uh, I think that the it's like Pawns movie, the Pawns movie from World Domination Gardening. So it's a full two hour movie, and I think it's the one that has Jeff Lawton in it. Um, but anyway, the uh, and then of course building a Cobb style rocket mass heater is there too. Right. So it's like it's really loaded heavy. And then, of course, at ten dollars, that's our our final product for this project. So um, the the final movie. Um, so there. If I answered the question, I think basically gratitude. I'm grateful that people are supporting my Kickstarter. Plus, I I kind of feel like um, if if I can get. Um, oh, you know, like the last Kickstarter was 2,700, but what if for this Kickstarter I got 10,000 people supporting it? Mm. I think that that kind of puts it at the top of Kickstarter for a day or maybe a week or something like that. And it's like, now we're going to get the attention of a bunch of people that know nothing about permaculture. Yeah. And so I'm rooting for that. Right. I also think that, you know, you end up being on the Kickstarter site forever. And so if people search for, like, by the dollar for this section, and we show up, then they're like, what's that? And it's like, it's about permaculture. Mm-hmm. So we're infecting brains again. So I kind of, it feeds my need to infect more brains. Well, that's one reason that I like all the goodies that we give away as well, because for people who aren't familiar with rocket mass heaters or your better world book or other people's, you know, work in permaculture. It's like a lot of the early bird goodies and stuff like that. Um, a lot of the rewards are just exposing those people to information about permaculture, which I think is really cool. All right. Did I answer that one? Yes. Next. So next question. Um, this seems really different from your previous Kickstarters. All your other Kickstarters were for projects that were almost complete, but you haven't even started building this one yet. Why the change? So I think we talked about that a little bit earlier in that um, the next Kickstarter was going to be the skip book. But that one is going to be at the earliest, like the earliest we could do it would be January. Um, and it, and then there was kind of like, uh, well, then, you know, can we squeeze this one in? And then people just started asking for it. But this one, I do feel really nervous about it because we don't have anything done yet other than right now. We do have some pretty good plans yeah. made up. And Thanks, so Kyle. Kyle made the plans. Uh, he's an engineer. And uh, I think they look good. Yeah, they look I think sharp. they look super cool. And then uh, Nicole and Tracy did some lovely artwork. Um, you know, so I'm thinking like, 
we have something. It's not like a total zero right now. Right, right. Um, and but it's true. I prefer to have a project more done, like like ninety percent done before doing a Kickstarter, and that and it has to do with how I'm wired. So I feel nervous about this one because I I'm I'm not there. I I don't have that. And um, on the other hand, it's like we've got so many people in the boot camp right now, and what a great crew. Um, it's it's like uh, we're things are getting knocked out fast. We're getting a lot done. It's really cool. Yeah, lots <clears throat> and, of forward momentum. Yeah, and so I'm kind of feeling like that part's not a struggle, right. you know. Um, and uh, I'm I'm nervous because we'll get the money, and then like what might go wrong? Right. You know, I'm really kind of wigging out about that. But of course, if you get a little, if we get funded heavily, money helps to put smooth out those yeah, wrinkles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like okay, okay. So there's there's that. So the biggest. So another worry would be like, what if we're barely funded? <laughs> like, yeah. And then there's problems. But it's like I don't think there'll be any. But yeah. it's a risk. It's a jump. But any any time you do anything, it's riddled to the gills with risks. So we're taking on those risks, but I'm excited. I mean, what if, yeah. what if this gets funded like really good? Then it's like, rather than this whole thing of like, I better write a book so I could pay for all of the innovations we're gonna do. It kind of changes to, <clears throat> we just, you know, let's make a direct pipe. Let's 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 line up what we want our next innovations to be and do kickstarters for each big innovation we want to do. Yeah. A direct pipe. That would be that would be so cool. I I mean all our projects here would be like on a big rocket sled or something. We'd be really whipping through the stuff. And it's like people would get to see the projects that they want to see happen. Like they'd get to support them directly. And, right. You know, and we'd be able to film them because we could afford to take the time to do oh, that. Right. Yeah. Whereas right now I kind of feel like there's a lot of experiments we've done and they're kind of under-documented. Exactly. Because it's like, well, I did a Kickstarter, and now we ran out of money, and then, you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, and so, um, uh, this one is different. That was the question. Why is it different? And it's like, okay, so I think we covered the, the why. I'm nervous and excited at the same time. Uh, I hope we get a big turnout for it. I hope so, too. All right, next question. How exactly is this greenhouse different from other greenhouses? Well, Jennifer, <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> As you know, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you asked the question that I wrote. <laughs> All right, there are seven things that we're doing. Um, thing number one, trench. So we're, I mean, I believe, and, and and you know what? I think I think it's fair to say I'm a little bit of an expert in this space, and so let's just pretend I am. Sure. I think that when you're doing trying to do something like this, the first thing you need to do is reduce the amount of air in the greenhouse, and so a lot of greenhouses, it's like. They're eight feet tall, or I've seen some where it's like, oh, I've got this hoop house greenhouse. 
it's 15 feet tall. And I'm just kind of thinking like, wow, that is a lot of space to heat. Like when nighttime comes around and the sun isn't coming out and you're, you're, everything is either glass or plastic, which speaking of plastic. Yeah. I thought Josiah made a profound point this morning and he's like, this might be the first greenhouse built that has zero cement and zero plastic. Yeah, he said it was very rare. Um, I'm not sure if it's the first, but I I'm not word, familiar with any. I said maybe. May, this, okay, this yes. Maybe. Correct. Maybe there's another one out there. Yeah, but I if nothing know. else, you know, pretty unusual, pretty yeah. undocumented. Um, so at least we're documenting it. But I do think because of our values, right. all the designs that we have have no plastic and no cement whatsoever. Right. So, um, I mean, I think a lot of greenhouses have no cement. Right. But they have a lot of plastic. Well, and the gray water element as well, like as we've been looking into the constructed wetland things, most of those basins are concrete cement. or plastic. Yeah, yeah. Or cement or plastic. Yeah. yeah. So, um, all right. So the first thing to do is to reduce that airspace. So rather than having an eight foot or taller ceiling, we're going to put a, a four foot deep trench in the ground where a person could walk. And then that would mean that the beds where you would plant would be at about armpit level, um, <clears throat> maybe closer to belly level for me, but armpit level for a lot of people. Yeah. And and then uh, the space above their head would be about four feet. So you've reduced a lot of the air, maybe cut it in half that you're trying that you need to, to deal with to keep warm when it is uh, nighttime. So it's now it's going to be easier to heat all that air uh, so your plants don't die. Okay, so that's trick number one. Trick number two, put a berm on the north side. So I know that there's this other side of the planet that, that's called the southern hemisphere where everything's opposite Phil and upside down. And so for them, it would be on the south side. But So uh, weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time trying to phrase my stuff respectfully. So, but I also suspect that Australians are used to hearing this stuff from the Americans and do the best. In fact, I think it would be, uh, uh, New Zealanders. I'm because. Sorry I called your entire continent weird. <laughs> I'm not. I think they appreciate it. <laughs> it's like, right, mate? <laughs> We're proud of it. What do they call their dollar over there now? I have no idea. Um, I, I can't remember either. Yeah. Uh, they, but they had a funny name for it. But it's like everything's got a, a, a really cool name. <laughs> <laughs> See that rodent over there? It's a kangaroo. That's it's a rodent. It's it's a big ass rodent. <clears throat> Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, Berm on the north side, Paul. Berm on the north side. I'm just going to say north side. <laughs> the the sun is in the south in the winter. The berm is on the north side. Okay. So a berm on the north side. So that's making it so that we've reduced the amount of glass. Um, and on top of that, we have more exposure inside to thermal mass. And so that's going to make it so that the temperature is going to be a little more even 
on the inside. And so, uh, uh, then one more thing that, and I've got a, and this is, these three things go to a big leap. The third thing being a trench under the trench. So there's a five foot deep trench under the trench where you walk. So now you've got to put in these wooden planks so you could walk above the five foot deep trench and you're still like the, the, the beds are still up to your armpits. So this is a nine foot deep trench totally. This point, by doing those three things, those first three things, that takes you to an Ehler style greenhouse. So there's been, I mean, I've been, I don't know how many greenhouses where people were telling me it's an Ehler style greenhouse and it's missing two of those three things. And I'm kind of thinking like, how do you call this an Ehler? They just do. Yeah. And it's like, and I think that they have to put the word Ehler in quotes. Um, but I think that the trench under the trench is the real genius of the Ehler style greenhouse. I mean, for the first trench, that's, that's oftentimes called a pit greenhouse. Right. And, uh, but there's other kinds of greenhouses too, like, like the Wallapini that is a bigger pit greenhouse. You're giving me a funny look. Like, have you never heard of the Wallapini? I have seen the word Wallapini and that's all I know about it. <laughs> right. That so people, is the word. <laughs> people, when we say Wafati, some, a lot of people go, you mean a Wallapini? Yeah. No, <laughs> not that. But okay, that's a that's another pit style greenhouse. Okay. But let's skip past that. Moving along. Yes. Um, so the Ehler style greenhouse, the trench under the trench is the real genius. Now let's talk about why it's real genius, and that is that um, uh, the temperature down deep is going to be like a, a constant. Let's say it's let's pretend for a moment. It's a constant 50 degrees. It's going to vary from microclimate to microclimate, state to state, you know, latitude to latitude, etc. But let's say for the moment it's 50 degrees. That means <clears throat> that when it gets really, really, really cold, then that cold air, like like it's zero degrees outside, that cold air is going to try to sink into that deep trench. And then that 50 degree air that's down there is going to rise. And so then that means that the air inside your greenhouse is going to be uh, kind of between the two, but probably closer to 50. And then as that 50 degree air gets chilled to maybe 40 it's going to sink, and then the, the new 50-degree air at the bottom is going to rise. So there's so much air moving up and down that the air temperature in your greenhouse, when it's zero degrees Fahrenheit outside, is probably going to be something like 40, so above freezing. Now, Ehler was able to grow tomatoes in December in his greenhouse, which was the prototype for his book. But I saw his greenhouse... It was leaky as fuck. It's in North Idaho, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. North Idaho. It gets, it gets to 30 below there. Easy. And so, but the key is, is that I kind of feel like the Ehler style greenhouse would probably work pretty good at being truly passive if it were a little bit more airtight. Right. Than, than what he had there in North Idaho. But still, with that leaky thing, he was growing tomatoes in December. And so I think that's a that's a hell of an achievement there. Yeah. But let's go further. The next item 
is something that I talked to Mike about before he died. And that is, I call it a, a de-stratification pipe. So now, at nighttime, I think the temperatures are going to be pretty even. Because if anything is colder than 50, it's going to sink to the bottom. And then that 50 degree air is going to rise up. So it's going to be pretty much 40 to 50 all throughout the system. Um, but when the sun is out, then I think that uh, you're going to get this 140 degree air and it's going to rise to the top and it's going to stay at the top. Mm-hmm. And and then um, it's not going to exchange with the, the stuff down in the trench because the stuff down the trench is colder and the, the colder air is going to stay low and the hotter air is going to... So when you've got like a lot of sun hitting there, then of course everybody who has a greenhouse says, oh yeah, you need to open your vents. Well, that's that's requiring human discipline. Or, granted, there are some mechanical things that you can get for that. Or, granted, there are some electric things you can get for that. But now it's not passive anymore. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> I came up with this idea for what I call the de-stratification pipe. A one-inch pipe that goes to the bottom of the trench and then runs along the inside of the glass and the part that is exposed to the glass is anodized black. So that way when the sun hits it, it heats it up. And then the uh, air inside, there's a thermosiphon that's created. So the air inside starts to move up and it acts like a straw sucking the air from the bottom of the trench. So it's, it's extracting all that 50 degree air. And because of that, it creates a vacuum. Now the warmer air above it starts to get pulled down in there. Mm -hmm. And so um, it is plausible. It is, you know, and this is part of the experiment. This is part of what we want to find out is what temperature does that air end up getting down, getting up to? So like if the thermosiphon, if the destratification pipe is effective, does that mean that the air at the top of the greenhouse goes from 140 to perhaps 90, and then the air at the bottom of the trench goes from 50 to maybe 70? And so uh, as long as the sun is shining on that pipe. Right. So we'll find out, but that's that's kind of plan. But basically, I talked to Mike about it, and Mike said he believes it'll work. Yeah, I'm really excited about that, about let's, testing that. Yeah. Now, yeah. already some people have suggested a bigger pipe, and I'm thinking like, okay, let's do one. We're gonna have two of these. Right. We'll do one at one inch, and we'll do one at an inch and a half. Right. And see how they do. Um. All right. Next one, the well casing. So, um. A 20-foot well casing put into the bottom of the trench to go down, maybe not an entire 20 feet, but maybe 19 feet. You know, a lot. Yeah. And and it's like so now the trench in a way is if it's if we put it down 19 feet, doesn't that make the trench be kind of in a way 28 feet deep? Yeah. And so. Now, let's also put the destratification pipe down to the bottom of that well casing. So, the, the well casing is a pipe that's a steel pipe. It's uh, 20 feet long and 6 inches in diameter. 
And so uh, um, we're just thinking we'll we'll get in there with the excavator, dig a a 19 foot deep hole deeper than the trench, kind of a thing, and um, and then stand up the well casings and then put the dirt back in. And so that'll be a pretty quick operation with the excavator. Yeah, the excavator is crazy how fast it can do things. Yeah, and so um, boom, baby, it's in. And um, but uh, with John Hate's work. Uh, with passive annual heat storage, he talks about the the magic number of 20 feet, and that for most soils, that um, uh, uh, 20 feet below the surface is a constant temperature all year long. And so for his work, he's kind of like, what if I make an umbrella around that, and then I can set what that temperature is. So if I want to make it be 72 then it'll be 72 all year long, as long as it's 20 feet, you know? And and so it's like, we're going to go down more than 20 feet. So And then, of course, uh, in a moment, we're going to talk about how we're going to keep it dry. Right. And and so, uh, but the thing is, is that theoretically, all of that dirt down there can be set to a fixed temperature that is higher than... Uh, 50 degrees, which was our fictitious number for our constant temperature below. And I, I'm going to confess, based on what my understanding is, that for where we are, that temperature is most likely 45 degrees. Right. Which is starting to sound like a little too chilly. But we're also going to take that 45 degree stuff and we're going to try and set it to something closer to 70. And... <clears throat> Based on my philosophies and things like that, I kind of suspect that we might get it up to 60 in five years. Yeah. Um, I mean, John Haight said like three years, I think, for yeah. Yeah, to th- start to annual. I think it was Don Stevens was oh, saying okay. it three was years. Don Stevens said three <clears throat> yeah. years. And he does the annualized geosolar. Yeah. Which maybe this is a great time to talk about that because there's these other systems that say. That they're passive. Right. That's a question. It's oh, it the is next a question. question. Okay. So right, I'm gonna, finish all right. So I'm going to finish this one. We'll come. We'll come back to that. <laughs> we'll come back to that. Okay. So that's our well casing idea. I think I've covered the well casing one. Yes. And then of course the next thing is is no surprise. We're calling this a Wafati greenhouse. So let's add the Wafati elements, which is going to be um, uh, a thick earthen roof and uh, an umbrella surrounding the structure. So now we're going to add earth berms, deep earth berms to the east and the west and we're going to have an umbrella below the glass uh, to the south and there's going to be an, a thick earthen roof over the top so now, whereas before we had an earth berm on the north side we've now added earthy stuff to one, two, three uh, th- three more places and we've uh, loaded all those up with our umbrella system and we've added umbrella on a on another side the, a fourth side so there's going to be an umbrella all the way around defining um, you know where we want to have our thermal mass and it's going to keep that dirt dry will it keep the dirt dry 28 feet down maybe not. But maybe a little, maybe drier. Yeah, drier than normal. Um, so, so the Wafati element. I think that's going to help us a lot. Yeah. And then the last piece 
um, and this is number seven out of this list of seven. The last piece is, is that we're back to where we began. And that is that we're going to route a gray water system in there to run through the winter. And the, the magical, amazing thing about a gray water system is that the gray water tends to be warm. <laughs> and so, and, and then on top of that, water has this bizarre thing where it holds temperature better than like almost any other substance. Yeah. So if it's warm, it's carrying a lot of warmth into the greenhouse where it'll sit and give off that warmth. Yeah. So I'm kind of feeling like, um, it, that might, that might be a significant source of warmth for this greenhouse. Again, let's find out. Yeah. Okay. I'm now ready. All right. The question you've been waiting for, Paul. So you're saying truly passive, which implies that other greenhouses, which say they're passive, really aren't. Is that correct? (laughs) You know what's kind of pissed me off is that while we've been preparing for this Kickstarter, we had somebody who basically wrote to say, did you check out that guy in Nebraska? He has a passive greenhouse and he's growing these oranges. So it's already been done. You're doing nothing. What you're doing is stupid. Stop now. So I had to point out to him that that guy in Nebraska who, and in fact, there's a lot of greenhouses set up this way. Um, and, and I imagine I could come up with off the top of my head, a list of a dozen different greenhouses that are doing this. And that they've, they've made movies about it and books and all kinds of things. And basically all it is, is they're using Dawn Stevens's techniques, which is that, oh, is the temperature up here above 90? Well, we've got a big ass fan that'll blow air through this big ass pipe down, 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 down underneath the greenhouse where we've got all that dirt that was there originally covered up with a bunch of insulation. And um, what we'll do is we'll just warm all that stuff under there whenever it's too hot. So did I mention the fan? Big ass fucking super duper huge. It might even be running on 220 volts. It's so fucking big of a fan. And it's like, granted, they're keeping that greenhouse warm with just a speck of energy compared to other greenhouses. But their spec is still probably $1,500 a year in, in keeping that greenhouse warm. And so it's, it's like, it's a lot of power. In fact, in that particular one, the guy said, oh, we're using only seven amps. And I'm kind of thinking like, that's, that's not zero. And, and so therefore you, you lost your coupon to use the word passive. Because passive means zero. And and it's kind of like, uh, so they're calling them passive greenhouses. And in a way, they kind of are, because they're not using electricity or natural gas or even wood to make heat. But they are using electricity to run that big-ass fan. Yeah. And so the idea is is that when it's too hot in the greenhouse in the summertime or any time, Whenever the greenhouse is too hot, turn on the big-ass fan. 
And whenever the greenhouse is getting too cold, turn on the big ass fan. And so then, you know, they're, they're doing the, the storage of, you know, thermal inertia. And so, you know, they're, whenever it's too hot, then all that heat goes down into the storage unit. And whenever it's too cold, all that heat comes out of the storage unit. So it's kind of like, no, I, I think it's brilliant. It's really brilliant. But it's not passive. And what we're trying to do is truly passive. Did I answer the question? Yes. All right, next question. What does success look like for this experiment? How are you going to measure the results? I would say if the temperature inside, like if it's truly passive, and we don't go in there and monkey with stuff, because that's another thing, too, is we are trying to eliminate um, the need for human discipline. So a lot of greenhouses need human beings to go in there and monkey with things. But... Um, and I think it's possible we might not have this perfect and we might still need to go in there and monkey with things. I don't know what, but it's going to be good for us to monitor it. And so, um, we're going to, uh, uh, I, I would say success would be like if the temperature stays at 40 or higher. Okay. That would be success. Uh, we should say above freezing, like if the plants don't die. But um, I would say I'd, I'd like I'd feel like success is at forty or higher. Right. Like in the worst of winter, on a cold winter. Now, if it does get down to like thirty-five and everything stays alive, mm-hmm. then we're eking along this year. But I can't help but think that next year it'll be if it's thirty-five this year, that next year it'll be closer to like. 47. I'm hoping it'll be, you know, over, maybe it'll be 50 this year and 65 next year, but who knows? Right, um, right. But what is I success? Agree with you. I what agree is success with you. to you? I think if it stays above freezing, that's indicative that it will become successful. If it stays over 40 this year, we've got success. Yeah, we've yeah. got strong success. Yeah. And it'll just get better from there. Agreed. Yeah. Next question. All right. Oh, uh, you didn't answer. How are you going to measure the results? Oh, um, we're going to put, I mean, like right now in Allerton Abbey, we have tracking thermometers. Correct. And so I'm thinking like we'll probably get some more of those. Yeah. Although I am kind of curious about what we might do for down in the um, well casing. And and it's like maybe what we'll do is we'll have a little string and I we'll drop a sensor down say, there. Like they have like a little hole in them. I was imagining tying them to a string and hanging them in there. Um, I'd like to get something that had better data sharing capacity than what I've got because like I've got to manually take a screenshot and then post it to Permies. Mm-hmm. But the number of things that don't require like a Wi-Fi gateway and track and don't require a subscription. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. But yes, tracking thermometers for sure. It sounds like there's been a lot of people making suggestions about tracking thermometers since we started talking about this Kickstarter. Yeah. And uh, so maybe we'll get something better than what we have right now. That's my hope. But the fact that we've suffered with what we have makes us that now we're a little keener on what to shop for. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if we're barely funded, we're going to end up getting like three tracking thermometers. Right. But if we're magnificently funded, I would imagine we're going to get a dozen. 
maybe not a dozen. I'm not sure there are a dozen places to put them. The greenhouse is really tiny, but I'd like to have one at the bottom of each well casing, like one in each part of the trench, the planting beds, etc. You know, for like $15, you can get a high-low thermometer that has like a remote thing. And even though it's not a tracking thermometer, Mm -hmm. it's like it might be good to kind of put the tracking thing, like bury it in the mass in a couple of places. Oh, I would love to bury one in the mass. That's one thing we've really wished we had at Allerton Abbey is a way to see what the mass is actually doing Mm temperature-wise as opposed to just the interior of the structure. Um, Yeah, I think that's a great idea. We should make a note of that. Okay, all right. (laughs) But but again, I mean, the budget that we've set up, which is $14,390... Yeah. It's, it's like we're, we had a lot of stuff where it's like barely funded. This is what we're going to spend it on. Uh-huh. And then if we're uber funded, here's what we're going to spend it on. Right. The 14390 is like I might have to go buy my own string to hang the thermometer. <laughs> <laughs> like it's really bare bones. Yeah. 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 So it's like, in fact, um, Josiah had a, lo- a long list of video equipment that he wanted for this project. And there was a probably about two-thirds of it was moved to the dreamy list. Yeah. And and so um, <clears throat> I, I would have to say that if we got well-funded, that the quality of the final video will be better both in video quality and uh, in content. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. That's the plan. But if we're barely funded, it's like, all right. We're gonna, yeah, we just got to make the best of it. We're going we're gonna to squeeze this thing through with, you know, on the cheap. All right. So that was that. So we answered that question. What's the next? Yes. Um, Next question. Assuming that this experiment is is a success, what does that mean for the world? Well, I think um, one of the things that we will have defined is a way to have a warm house in Montana um, with no heat. So it's like. Granted, we're in the middle of the testing for Allerton Abbey, um, which is effectively using a lot of the same ideas. Although, since building Allerton Abbey, we've come up with like five more ideas on how to further pull this off. Totally. But um, right now, uh, for people in a cold climate, um, more than half of their carbon footprint comes from heat, heating their home. And so if they no longer need natural gas or electricity to heat their home, I think that that will have a major positive impact on carbon stuff. Now, there are going to be people that are listening to this podcast that are going to say, all that carbon stuff is stupid. And it's like, that's cool. Then let's let's look at it from a slightly different angle. Um, uh, what about the idea of cutting your heat bill from $3,000 a year to zero. Yeah. You know, and I think that even even if this thing is like the coldest it gets is 35, like we were saying, I think three to five years from now, we could probably keep that greenhouse above 70 all year long. Yeah. And so I, I kind of feel like that's profound. Um, and so it's for the world, saving you money and or saving you um, uh, 
uh, your carbon footprint. <clears throat> um, and uh, I mean, another thing is, is like now you don't have to have as much electricity. So if you're living rurally and um, uh, I mean, we can a lot of people are going to be tempted to be like, oh, we're just going to get electricity routed over to our house and we're going to have electric heat. Right. Or we're going to get electricity and natural gas. And, you know, all of those kinds of things. And suddenly those things are like, nah, we don't we don't need it. It'll be a lot cheaper. I mean, currently for a lot of people, it's like they're going to go and get uh, solar panels. And it's like the solar panels have gotten crazy cheap. And then, they, of course, they need a battery and all of that stuff. And all that stuff's gotten crazy cheap. But you're still looking at laying out like 20 grand. Yeah. And and it's like, wow, if I'm going to lay out that kind, I might as well just, the kind of money, I might as well just stay on the grid or whatever. Or go ahead and pay to have the grid brought to me and things of that nature. Because the other thing is, like, if you get all those solar panels, you kind of have to learn a few things about, few things about you know, your solar panels and the power and stuff. Yeah, that can be kind of painful as we're finding out. Plus, I mean, there's a lot of environmental impact from the mining. There's a lot of toxicity. They're not great. They're not perfect. Yeah. They're not perfect. But the thing is, is that it's like a big part of what we're trying to do is paint a picture of like maybe rather than $20,000, maybe all you need is a $3,000 system. Yeah. Or, Yeah. Or for some people who live a bit more humbly... Maybe a fifteen hundred dollar system will be extravagant for them. Right. You know, that's all they need, and uh, and that's like all because all these little things all added up. So, what will be the impact? I think I think that there is a long, long list of things that make uh, life more comfortable for people, yeah. as well as possibly solving some global problems. Yeah, agreed. Well, and I don't want to. So we're doing this for a gray water system, mm-hmm. and we're not going to grow any food in the gray water system because we want to clean that water before it gets to anything food-like. But I do think that a potential use for the greenhouse as a food-growing system, which is what Mike Ayler was doing with his, I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for being able to grow food year-round in a cold climate without being reliant on the industrial food system. My yeah. my thinking was is that um, yeah. the back of the greenhouse was all gray system and the front of the greenhouse was going to be all food systems. Agreed. I'm just trying to indicate that we're not combining the gray water with oh. our food growing. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. What's the next question? All right. Next question. Why should someone give you their hard-earned cash versus all the other people and organizations out there? Oh, right. Um Okay, I think that there are, I'm, I'm sure there are some magnificent nonprofits out there that have been carefully documented where 90% of the money that you give them goes to the actual thing that they're talking about. <clears throat> I am concerned about the accounting around that <laughs> and, and whether it might be um, less than 90%. Uh, at the same time, it seems like having known some people uh, in some nonprofits and kind of like hearing a little bit about their workings and things like that, as a software engineer, you kind of get to know the real story behind a lot of entities. Yeah. And I kind of learned that a lot of these entities, it's like they do all these fundraisers 
and it seems like a lot of the money goes to pay for the people that are in charge of or operating the nonprofit and to pay for the fundraisers and very little of the money actually goes to what they're trying to raise funds for so the people that are there they still live in a conventional house and drive a conventional car and and live a conventional life while working for these nonprofits and I kind of feel like I, I and you know what I'm glad I'm recording this podcast with you you've been here for is it a year now you've yeah it was here? a year on the 15th of okay. this month all right congratulations thank you um, <clears throat> but you've worked with me mm-hmm. and um, uh, you I mean I, I think I I guess where I'm trying to go with this is is to say like um, Let's pretend that that suddenly this Kickstarter brought in a million dollars. Yeah. All right. So, am I going to Vegas? Uh, no. <laughs> if I have if I have an extra million dollars, what am I doing with my million dollars? You're gonna throw it all into the project here and just and, make and it cooler. How how can you be so sure of that? Uh, I mean, I've just watched you for a year, and <laughs> <laughs> you don't spend your money on anything except like. You know, food and tools to keep the boot camp running and, you know, the experimentation and the innovation you're doing here. Unless you have some kind of, like, crazy online gambling habit that I don't know about or something. Well, I think <laughs> you walk into my office all, all the, time the time without knocking. <laughs> Just hey, there I, you are. I occasionally say knock-knock as I'm walking in. <laughs> and I have observed no online gambling habit so far. All right. All right. All right. Um, okay. So I, I think that the, the thing that I believe is that, I mean, uh, when I, I know when I, when I end up doing my taxes at the end of the year and I see all the reports and stuff like that. Right. And I look at how much I pissed away on whatever, then, um, uh, I make about 80 cents an hour. That sounds about right. Because everything else I put into the, the project. Right. And, um, uh, so I, I kind of, I feel a little bit like, the money that we get from this Kickstarter might possibly be better spent than money put into a nonprofit, which the word nonprofit always bugged me. I, I kind of feel like, um, it, it should be named something because of course, you know, if somebody's working for a nonprofit and they're getting paid $80,000 a year, that person is profiting $80,000 a year. Sure. But know. that's an expense to the nonprofit, not a profit. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I kind of feel like rather than, cause there's other nonprofits. Yeah. Where it's like the director is like not even making minimum wage. Right. Totally. And everybody else is a volunteer. Yeah. To me, that's a nonprofit. Yeah, that's what you expect it to and, be. And it's like, so I kind of feel like the things that we call a nonprofit, I wish they were called something else. Right. I mean, I think that they should exist and stuff, and that's all cool, but it's like, I don't, I, I think they should stop calling them a nonprofit. I mean, like, if anybody in the organization is getting more than some small amount, right. you know, then it's like, okay. There's at least one person you're profiting, and yeah. so it's like, I just, it's my own little thing. Sure. But anyway, um, I think that the stuff that we're doing is also possibly a bit more profound. So, for example, there is an organiz- a national organization, um, which is about uh, energy 
and alternative energy and appropriate technology and stuff like that. And I'm on their mailing list. And I think I've mentioned this podcast before where I got an email from them saying that there are people that have to choose between uh, paying for their heat and buying food. And uh, so <laughs> we're trying to raise money to pay for their heat. Right. And so give us money. Right. And we promise we'll give it to people who need it for their heat bill. Yeah. And I sent them an email for which I never had a reply. I'm sure you did. <laughs> but all the ways that they could heat themselves without any money yeah. at all. <laughs> By the way, that was why I was laughing at the idea of Paul responding mm-hmm. to that. Not not at people who can't afford both groceries and heat. I'm not <laughs> yeah, laughing yeah, at yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> So, and I got some ideas about their groceries too. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, uh, but I, so I kind of feel like a lot of nonprofits are kind of geared to that. Like they basically feed the monster still. Right. You know, and and it, so it's kind of like we're going to give the money to the energy companies that are causing the problem. Sure. And if you just give us, and I kind of feel like, and the other thing is, is a hundred bucks isn't going to go very far with them. I don't think. Right. You know, like if somebody got all their heat bill paid, like for one person, you might cover their heat bill if with uh, what nine hundred dollars, maybe fifteen hundred dollars, something like that, and uh, in, in a cold climate. Right. Per year, um, are you saying? Yeah, or? per yeah, year, yeah. per year. But I kind of feel like if you support the Kickstarter, not only do you get a lot of stuff, right? But on top of that, I think that if we can move this project forward, it has profound reverberating effect. Right. Like we're we're blazing new trail in in the world of. Uh, uh, saving energy and in a profound way. I think this is huge stuff. I agree. And, and so I am, uh, whenever I hear about some nonprofit that's barely heard of. Right. And it's like, and they raised $750,000 last year. I'm kind of thinking like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> How did they do that? Then, of course, part of it is that they had some fancy dinner. And I'm not going to have a fancy dinner. But that's, I guess, maybe people that are, like, writing checks for 10000 bucks a dinner or something, they want the fancy dinner, and I'm not doing that. So I I suck at this. Yeah. It would be cool if somebody set up a nonprofit that... Well, then I'm back to where I'm talking about. But it would channel the money to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. All right. Did I answer the question? You did answer the question. So now, next question. Assuming that this Kickstarter does well, do you think you'll do Kickstarters for other experiments in the future? If it does well, yeah. Because this is... This is so exciting because, and I've, and in fact, already people have been like making suggestions about like, yeah. if this works, you know, the next one, and I think the, this is the one that we've heard the most about. Uh, can you guess? Is it the Wofati freezer? Yeah. yeah. Freezer Wofati has been the number one requested thing for next. That would and, be cool. And I think that if we had a poll, like, which would you rather see first, the greenhouse, the Wofati greenhouse, or the freezer Wofati, I think that more people would probably have voted for the freezer Wofati. Oh, really? I, it's just a guess, because yeah. we didn't have such a poll. No. No. I'm super into the greenhouse, so I'm glad we didn't have a poll. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
But then the other one would be uh, humus well. Yeah. And I think it wouldn't even take that long to, to build a humus well. Right. And then we could even also try to bring, uh, to build a spring terrace. Like, yeah. like, but you need to have bedrock, which up at the lab, we're, but you know what? You know where we have lots of bedrock? Oodles of bedrock. Base camp? Base camp is just loaded with, so it's like, but we're a little low on soil. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, but we could try to build something up at the volcano. That's and we might have to cool. we might have to import soil to do that. Yeah. Well, if our Kickstarter's got funded, maybe we could keep our excavator and dump truck running well enough to be able to import some of the soil. Which got to say, a uh, uh, big thanks to Vention who's here. Oh man, yeah, seriously, thank you. And and uh, the Millennium Falcon, he's been he's been not only repairing it. But tooling around the lab in it yeah. to test it out. He seems to <laughs> genuinely be enjoying himself, which confuses me, but is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. He he just he just loves being a a big equipment diesel mechanic, and yeah. it's like his thing in life. And uh, so he wants to leave us with this thing running in such magnificent condition. But on top of that, not I shouldn't even use the word leave us because it sounds like he wants to be the driver of it yeah you know and then if anything goes right and it's like he's got it running but he's like wanting to fine tune it now it's really cool i'm hoping he sticks around it's been really great having him yeah yeah all right what's next all right last question how would somebody be able to participate in one of these experiments Oh, it's well the boot camp. Yeah. Yeah. And so um I mean the, we we say that the maximum for the boot camp is 6, but then it's like we kind of so like we don't count Fred in that of course. Right, right. But now we kind of don't count you or Josiah cuz you guys have been here so long. Right. Maybe it's like six people that have been here less than a year or something like that. Yeah. And so we are saying uh we we keep saying this thing where there's two spots available. And so there's I would say that if we had two more people, yeah. that we would be able to be a, we would we could take two more people. Right, cuz we've so, got four people right now. Orin, yeah. Clayton, Scott, and Jonathan, who yeah. have been here less than a year. So yeah. we could take two we more. We could take two more. And so, um, uh, yeah. And I think that, um, I mean, if you look at somebody who's only been here for four months, which Orin is almost at the four-month mark, yeah. like what would be the stuff that Orin has experienced while he's been here? I mean, um, there's been a lot of roundwood timber framing. Right. A lot of the junk pole fence and the gardens getting up and running. Oh. There's just been a lot of gardening um, yeah. and the hugelkultur building. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's so a right. lot of earthworking, a lot of gardening, roundwood timber framing, junk pole fence. And yeah. as soon as we have a really hot day, what are we doing? Uh, we're watering it with the fire truck. <laughs> or, oh, no, I was thinking. <laughs> you, I was thinking what like we're gonna, on, when the next time we've already talked about whenever the next time we have a really hot day, we're gonna work on the on finishing two of the ten by ten cob floors in Allerton Abbey because because I would like to have finished floors. <laughs> Because it's always crazy cool in Allard. Like it's, ah, gotcha. it's like 20 degrees cooler in a Wafati on a hot day. Because it's absorbing all the heat. 
The, it's charging the mass. That is very true. It is much more pleasant in the Wofadi when it's hot outside. We we spend a lot of time like kind of trying to come up with things to do. So cob floor stuff is coming up soon. Yeah. And then I'm of really course if this uh, if this Kickstarter succeeds, we'll be building we'll be doing roundwood timber framing and all yeah. these other things that we're talking about. And uh, and then yeah, has Oren driven the excavator? I think he's taken a turn on it, although Josiah was doing most of the excavator stuff because we were afraid it would die in the middle of the hugel cultures. So it was like, <laughs> we were like, let's get one person who does it all. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Goes easy on it. Goes yeah. easy on the diesel and right. everything. Yeah. Right. So, but there have been, oh, there's just been lists and lists and lists of projects. Yeah. But, oh, hey. we made the dock. Um Oh. We did the stuff in the library. We made some desks, one enormous desk that we're calling the dock um, because of the way, well, because it kind of looks like a dock. It's really cool. <laughs> it's got like roundwood timber framed supports that go up to the ceiling. It's cool. I think yeah. I think what we need, because it, it's got those four posts that go up to the ceiling, yeah. where we're going to expand later. Right, with, right. You know, but I, I kind of feel like, because uh, Fred's concerned about calling it the dock. Oh, Have you heard sorry, this? Fred. He's because he feels like like every eighty year old woman in America does this uh, decorates in a ocean motif, decorates her bathroom oh, in an ocean motif. Oh, I see. So I'm kind of feeling like what we need is somebody with some artistic ability, and then we give them that wood burning tool, uh-huh. and then they can wood burn a couple of shapes into those posts. Sure. Specifically, in one of the posts, there needs to be. A pineapple, maybe with a little door on it. And then on another post, there needs to be like a little tiki guy with a little door on it. Sure, okay. You, you, you have never seen SpongeBob SquarePants. No. Okay, I, I have seen one episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But who, who, uh, is, there's a song at the beginning. It's like who, I think it's like who lives in a pineapple under the sea, SpongeBob oh, SquarePants. Okay. Gotcha. So it's like, it's, that's what he lives in. So, no 80-year-old woman is going to decorate her bathroom in, with SpongeBob SquarePants so we can stick to the dock and the nautical theme, but it doesn't have the 80-year-old woman decorating some bathroom effect that apparently scares Fred. Right. <laughs> and we've learned from this podcast that Fred hates 80-year-old women. <laughs> No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. I'm teasing. Just that possible <laughs> decorative want motif. He doesn't decorate like one. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's yeah. very fair. And I, I think also, because Fred's got a permanent desk in there, yeah. that he doesn't want to feel like he's in some deco bathroom. Right, totally. Yeah, I imagine like feeling like I'm in a cheap seafood restaurant the whole time would be, that would be sad. Yeah. <laughs> You so, know where it's got like plastic lobsters stuck to the desk and stuff oh, like that. Yeah, let's not let's, do let's that. Let's not have that. Yeah. <clears throat> but if somebody with artistic ability could hold the burning tool and <laughs> I think that would be kind of cool. <laughs> All right. So there's been tons and tons and tons of projects here, and uh, and then if a person comes out, they can do tons of projects. And and it's like we've got people who uh, are coming that have been coming for the last year and a half. And they still aren't here. And so we only count people that are actually here. Right, right. And so um, we've got two spaces. And if we, if by some weird-ass fluke, uh, four people showed up all on the same day, I think we could be okay with that. Yeah, we'd, we might have to scramble a tiny bit, but I think it would work out. I yeah. think we'd be all right. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. What's next? That was the last question. Okay. All right. So anything you want to say to wrap up? Um, I've, I'm looking at all my notes and we touched on all of my notes. I've, I've got nothing. So please, uh, support our Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, we will, we, I hope that we do very good by you. And for, you know, and I think a lot of the pod people have supported my past Kickstarters and I, I get the impression they've all been very happy. So, um, I hope that on this one we'll make you the happiest yet. And so please support our Kickstarter. I think that's it. I think that's it. If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about Wafati Greenhouse, (laughs) homesteading, and permaculture all All the time. time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.